0: Well, this morning, our sermon text comes from the prophet Jeremiah. We're going to look at chapter 23 and read verses 16 through 29. If you're able, I'd ask you to please rise again for the hearing of God's holy word. And we read in Jesus' name. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, and yet they prophesied. But if they stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in the secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets, who prophesy lies? and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rock? into pieces. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord God, your word is truth, and we pray that you would sanctify us by that truth. God, today as we look at these words from the prophet Jeremiah, I pray that you would show us our own sinfulness and need for a Savior. Lord, bring us to repentance and point us to Christ. Strengthen our faith in him and ready us for your service, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think any time we take a look at the Old Testament prophetic books, it's a really good idea to take a look at the history and context as well. Keeping track of what's happening in the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Old Testament, is a whole lot easier than trying to remember exactly what time period a prophet lived in. It's easier than remembering what kings he was speaking to and what was happening in the world at the time. With our prophets, there's just a whole lot of information to try and keep straight in your head. So the prophet Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord to the southern kingdom only because the northern kingdom had already fallen. His call to speak forth the Lord's word in Judah began in the 13th year of Josiah's reign, which was about 627 BC. You remember that Josiah was the last of the good kings in the southern kingdom. Jeremiah had a very long ministry. He proclaimed the word of the Lord for 41 years, all the way until the fall of the southern kingdom in 586. When Babylon came in and conquered. Jeremiah's calling was not an easy calling at all. He was there to witness the end of the southern kingdom's existence and during that time it was his job to tell them that the kingdom was coming to an end. You see it wouldn't be long and they'd be conquered and they weren't being conquered simply because they were a smaller or weaker nation. Instead God was sending Babylon as his instrument to bring about justice and judgment on Judah because of their sin and their idolatry and their unrepentance. It was Jeremiah's job to call out the sin of the kings and the prophets and the priests and also the everyday people on the street. It was his job to tell them to return to the Lord, to repent of their sins. Jeremiah delivered warnings about what would happen if they refused to repent He told them that their judgment was around the corner and if they did not turn back to the Lord, their destruction was sure. That was Jeremiah's primary message. But he also was given a message of hope to proclaim to those few who had remained faithful to their God. He promised them restoration and hope and future that would ultimately come through Jesus Christ. See, Jeremiah's task was made much more difficult because his message was one that was largely rejected by the people of Judah, both the more normal everyday folks and those in charge, the prophets and priests and kings. It seemed like during Jeremiah's ministry, none of them wanted to hear what they had to say. And as you read through the book of Jeremiah, you're going to hit places where Jeremiah mourns his own calling and his own life because of how difficult his ministry is, and how few people actually care about the word of the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, the only good king that was left in the southern kingdom was Josiah, and he was only around for the beginning part of Jeremiah's ministry. After Josiah, none of the kings wanted to hear what God had to say. In the chapters that just preceded our sermon text, God pronounces his judgment uh, on the kings of Judah, letting them know that they would be conquered and there was no hope of them keeping their thrones. The kings had been wicked and sinful. They were false shepherds of God's people leading them astray, and so they would face God's wrath for their wickedness. But beautifully, this proclamation of judgment to the kings of Judah culminates in God promising to send a true king. He says this earlier in chapter 23 in verses 5 and 6, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as a king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our Righteousness. Because Judah had false, wicked, unrighteous, and unjust kings, God would send them a true, holy, righteous, and just king in the person of Jesus Christ, whose reign would be eternal. Our sermon text today the focus changes from God's judgment of the kings to the judgment of another group of false shepherds, the prophets. The role of the Old Testament prophet was a unique one. Sometimes as we think about what the prophets did, we lump them in with the priests, thinking they had kind of the same job. But in reality, the prophet's calling was different. You see, the priest would go to God on behalf of the people. He was the one that brought the sacrifices and and offerings in the temple. But the role of the prophet was sort of the opposite. The prophet was given the words of the Lord and he would take them to the people. Generally, the prophet's word that was given was given specifically to the king and it wasn't usually a happy message. The message was usually repent of your sins, turn away from your idolatry and return to your God unless you want to be destroyed. So the prophets of the Lord were not always the most beloved people in the nation because it seemed as if they were always proclaiming the wrath of God against the people, and specifically the kings, because of their sin. In Jeremiah's day, we had a big problem. And that problem was that most of the folks claiming to be prophets of the Lord were not proclaiming God's word to the people. Instead of doing what Jeremiah was doing, and calling out the sin of the people, and calling them to return to God— The prophets in Jeremiah's day were sharing false visions of comfort and hope and peace. They were proclaiming that all was well, that no one had anything to worry about, and that God was happy with them, even though these things were not true. Jeremiah records this about the prophets of the southern kingdom and says, "'But in the prophets of Jerusalem I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies.' They strengthen the hands of evildoers, so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me, and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. And this was the message of the prophets. They were continually saying to those that despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they proclaimed, no disaster shall come to you. The prophets were wicked. They helped the evil people prosper. And they were proclaiming to the godless that everything was fine, that they had nothing to worry about. They were giving a message that made them feel all warm and fuzzy while people and the nation were on a path to destruction and hell. And because of that, God proclaims a judgment for them that is quite severe. God says that he will feed them with bitter food, And give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into the whole land. Because of their wickedness and because they were leading people astray and proclaiming comfort to people while they were on their way to destruction and hell. God would cut off these prophets and they would be no more. And this is what happened in 586. When God used a pagan nation to bring about judgment on Judah. I wish I could say that destruction that came in 586 was the end of false prophets who helped the wicked prosper and proclaim comfort and peace to those on a path to hell, but that simply isn't true. From the earliest days of the New Testament church, (coughs) excuse me, we hear about false prophets plaguing the churches. They were proclaiming words that the Lord had not given them to speak. In the early church, we heard about the Judaizers who said, this Jesus guy was great, and everything he did was wonderful, but he wasn't enough. So not only do you need Jesus, but you also need to keep the Jewish customs and laws. Go get circumcised, keep the laws, observe the feasts and the festivals, and once you do that, you will truly be saved. In the early church we also had the Gnostics who claimed to have secret and hidden knowledge that you needed in addition to what Christ had done for you. The claim of both of these groups is that Christ and his sacrifice were not enough and that if you wanted to be saved you needed more. Jesus told us that false prophets would continue until he returned. It was happening in the days of Jeremiah, it happened in the early church And false prophets are still around today. Our culture has enough of its own prophets. There are prophets that do not speak the word of the Lord. What God has called good and righteous, the world calls evil. And what God has called sin, our culture not only allows, but legalizes and celebrates. It would be bad enough if the false prophets only came from secular culture, but we have false prophets within our churches as well. We have voices, even within the church, that claim that sin is good. Like the claim of many American mainstream liberal churches, who rather than confessing the biblical truth that sex is a gift that God has given to his people that is designed to be enjoyed only within the marriage relationship of a man and a woman, a gift that has been given to draw them closer to each other and so they might fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply. Instead, many American mainstream liberal churches claim that sex is completely acceptable in any circumstance as long as you have consenting adults. They believe and confess that God honors sex outside of the marriage covenant and they even celebrate. You see, it might be easy for us to see where the very liberal denominations have deviated from the truth of God's word, but some of the voices of the false prophets today are much more subtle and easier to be drawn in by. We have voices within the church that claim things like, all God really wants is for you to be happy and prosperous today. That God truly wants you to have everything you desire today today. And if you just have enough faith, or maybe if you just donate enough to certain ministry, then God is going to grant you the breakthrough that you need to be truly happy. Or if you have enough faith, any disease you have will be instantly cured. Or if you do enough good works, then you'll receive all the nice things you've dreamed about to make your life better. These things are not what Scripture promises for us. Instead, scripture tells us that in this sinful world, filled with sinful people, we are all going to deal with the effects of sin. And that means things are not going to go well for us all the time. And what is more, Jesus has promised us that if we follow him, the world is going to hate us, and that we're going to suffer for our faith in one way or another. For us as Christians, it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows. God has not promised that our wildest dreams will come true on this side of glory. Take a look at the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews. We have the greats of the faith mentioned there. But as you look at their lives, you will see that they suffered. They went through hard times and many even lost their lives. They didn't have their best life today, but they did have something far greater. They had the promise that those who had faith in God and faith in the promised Messiah were forgiven and redeemed and that this sinful world was not truly their home. And now they rest in paradise with their God and King. You see, this world is filled with false prophets, with voices that will tell us to do whatever makes us happy, no matter what scripture has to say. They will offer us comfort and peace. They will tell us that everything is fine, all while they lead us astray toward our own destruction and hell. These voices will always exist in our culture, and unfortunately, they're going to come from within the church as well. The only way we can avoid the lies of these churches and these false prophets is to know what God truly says to us in his word. To take God at what he says and to trust in it, no matter what the world has to say. We need to cling even more tightly to Holy Scripture. We need to take every opportunity we have to hear it, to to read it, to study it, We need God's word to become part of our lives, part of our very DNA. Because the truth of God's word is the only defense we have from the lies of a sinful world. So hold tightly to Holy Scripture. Live in it. Let it become a part of you. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Know that it is enough for you and you need to add nothing else other than Christ. And any voices that differ from Scripture, take the words that God gave through the prophet Jeremiah and ignore them. Don't listen to them. Reject them. And instead, simply rest in Christ. Trust in his word and live your life in light of his unending grace and mercy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage from the prophet Jeremiah and the stern warning you gave against the false prophets in his day. Lord, we're still plagued by false prophets. Our culture and churches have many voices that do not speak your word. Instead, they speak lies of comfort and peace. They say to the godless, everything is fine. And to those that despise your word, that no harm will come. Help us to identify those voices and reject them and cling tightly to your holy word. Lord, to rest in it and trust in Christ alone for our salvation. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. Strengthen our faith, we pray. Amen.